Legends of Wasteland City is a post-apocalyptic anthology series and may contain references to drugs, sex, and violence along with the occasional vulgarity. You've been warned. Dukes of the Nuke, The Ones Who Came Before, Chapter 2. Mutt woke up to a full moon overhead. It was bright enough for him to see the now peaceful desert around him. From a spot behind the hill, he could see the old Needles Highway, now just known as the road, that led back to the Duke's camp tucked in the mountains east of here. The raider camp over the hill had grown quiet, and he rubbed the dirt from his eyes and tried to shake the chill of the night off his body. He crawled up the hill crest to give the camp one more look. There were a few smoking fire pits, but no voices or any sign of movement. It was time to go. Mutt packed everything into his small bag and tucked it under a nearby rock. He'd be going in stealthy and didn't need the extra weight or anything that could make an unwanted sound. The moon shined just enough light for him to not trip on the rocks or bushweed that dotted the desert as he made his way down into the camp. Ducking behind a couple small, old house foundations, Mutt could see the dead man with the knife still sticking out of his chest. Against his better judgment, he walked over to the body. He thought about how this man was killed for just a little compassion. What would happen to him if he got caught? He quickly checked the dead man's pockets. You never know what you might find on a dead raider. And he pulled out two 10mm bullets and a small plastic lighter. He held the lighter out to the moon. It was out of fuel. But he held his left hand around the top and pulled the flint wheel. It sparked. Mutt put one bullet in each of his front pockets. Even though the Dukes had near limitless supply, bullets were more valuable than gold. And he put the lighter in his back pocket. He couldn't risk them making any noise. He grabbed the knife from the dead man's chest. It was short, rusted, and dull. But at least it was something. Why hadn't he brought a gun? There were plenty back at the Duke's camp, but it was too late now, and this knife would have to do if worse came to worse. He wiped the blood off the knife on his pant leg and shoved it in his belt. Looking up, he could see the top of the radio tower over a couple of buildings. It was about 50 yards away. Moving to the dark side of one of the buildings, he thought if everything went to plan, he should be at the tower in two minutes, find the vacuum tube, and be on his way back to the Duke's camp before anyone even knew he was here. From the shadow of the building, he planned his next move. There was one more building and a row of tents between him and the tower. He was about to make his move through the open parking lot to the next building when he heard some noise from inside the wall his back was against, then heard the creaking door open from around the corner. He tried to make his body become one with the wall as a fat man stumbled around the corner, holding onto the building like he was holding the whole thing up. He couldn't have been more than five or six feet away as he dropped his raggedy pants just enough to have a piss. Mutt breathed only lightly, trying to blend in with the shadows. He could smell the booze in the air as the fat man jettisoned his bladder. The fat man finally finished, pulling his pants up and turning his head, looking straight at Mutt, who tried his best to look like he belonged on this wall, while slowly grabbing at the rusty knife in his belt. He looked straight back at the fat man who looked at him confused, obviously trying to figure out what he was doing there. Mutt prepared himself to kill the fat man if he had to. He'd go straight for the throat so the man couldn't call for help. He gripped the knife's handle hard, but the fat man just smiled with a little chuckle. <laughs> what a fucking party. The fat man spat and then made his way back inside. Close one. 
Mutt thought, and turned back toward the tower. The next building he passed was an old restaurant. The sign was long gone, and every front window was crudely boarded up. As Mutt stealthily crept past the front, he thought about how lucky people were back then to have prepared food anytime they wanted. All he had to do was walk in, bring some paper money. He wondered if there were any cans of food still in the kitchen, maybe stored away somewhere that hadn't been ransacked yet. It was always worth a look just in case, but not today, not with a hundred raiders surrounding him. Maybe once they leave this location and move on to new plunders, he'll come back and see if there's anything left. On the back side of the restaurant was a row of vehicles, three massive, blacked-out, armored trucks and a few smaller motorcycles and buggies. There weren't many running vehicles left anymore, but whoever had them had power. The raiders used them in fights to stay on the move, surround their enemies, and transport heaps of food, ammunition, and manpower to and from the camps they raided. The biggest truck had large metal barrels on its long, flat bed with metal pipes and hoses running between them. One long hose ran down into a large, grease-laden black canister next to the old, rusted dumpster of the restaurant. With one look, Mutt knew what was going on here. The Dukes had long known that these little grease pits were gold mines. The old frying oil from these restaurants could be used for lamps, making candles, and if properly refined, turned into a version of diesel fuel. The Dukes had a similar setup at their camp that helped keep the few vehicles they had running. But these raiders had made theirs mobile. Clever bastards. On the back of one of the other vehicles, Mutt saw a 30 caliber machine gun, mounted on a heavy tripod with a fresh coat of black paint. But even through the thin coat, he could recognize the falling bomb logo of the Dukes. This must be that big trade Vash made a few weeks ago. The buyers didn't look like raiders to me. Even though the war chief would sell to anyone anytime, the Dukes' barter master Vash wouldn't sell the big stuff to the raider clans. Either these raiders stole the big gun from somebody else, or they disguised themselves as regular outlanders to make the trade. He wouldn't put it past the bloodbacks either way. A few quick steps through the moonlight, and he was beside the row of makeshift tents. As he soft-stepped past them, he could hear a few snoring inside, but no light or other signs of anyone awake. From here, he could see the chain-link fence around the radio tower and the small cinderblock building alongside it. Surely there had to be some radio components in there. He walked up to the gate, and the latch wasn't locked. Lucky break. He slipped the metal latch open and walked inside the gated yard. As lucky as he was, there was no lock on the gate. His heart almost dropped as he looked at the large metal door in the radio building. There on the latch was a large padlock. This would be a setback for sure, but nothing he couldn't handle. Most of the Dukes knew how to pick locks. One of them, named Mongo, was a bit of an expert at it. He would teach all the new Duke recruits how to pick a variety of locks. After all, most of the easy-to-secure weapons had been taken a long time ago. Now, to be able to find weapons to sell, the Dukes had to find them deep in underground storage where multi-levels of security had kept them hidden in the years since the fall. Being able to pick locks was the first step to easy procurement. Mutt reached into his pocket and pulled out a pick set. It had a tensioner, a rake, and a few hooks, all tools that Mongo had fashioned himself. With these tools, you could break almost any lock that fit a key. Mutt had gotten pretty good at it, and guessed this lock would only take him a few minutes at most. He got to work. Grabbing the lock in his left hand, he put the L-shaped end of the tensioner in the bottom of the key slot and held it with the pinky of his left hand. His right hand took the hook and started probing inside the lock. The first and second tumblers fell in place right away, but the third was stuck. It wouldn't move at all. Damn rusty lock. Mutt thought as he leveraged the hook against his finger to add more pressure, only to have the pick snap, breaking off with the hook's end lodged inside the old padlock. Fuck. Mutt said louder than he intended to. Hello? There was a small voice coming from inside the building. Who's there? 
The Ones Who Came Before was written by me, Mike Makeshift Darling, narrated and directed by Makeshift. Mutt was played by Sean Cunningham. The Fat Man was played by Mike the Baron Muchow. The Mysterious Voice was played by Mallory Turnell. Legends of Wasteland City is a production of the Apocalypse Post. Stick around after the break for more info about today's episode. In the Wasteland, you no get radiation. Radiation get you. But you can build your tolerance with concentrated formulas today. Dr. Prepper Labs is developed concentrated formula therapy. We can help build up your tolerance to those pesky ionizing particles with gradual healthy doses of X-rays, gamma rays, and quasi-stable ionizing particle exposures. Dr. Prepper, your particle accelerator. Dr. Prepper may not be available in your area due to, well, even the most basic health regulations. But you can still get a Dr. Prepper propaganda poster in the Apocalypse Outpost merch store. Link in the show notes. Okay, survivors, so Mutt has made his way into the Bloodbacks camp after watching one of them murder another one of them. So the stakes have really been raised as far as what will happen to him if he gets caught. But it's a good thing the Bloodbacks partied so hard last night, so that they would be dead asleep as he made his way across their camp. Why he didn't just go around, I don't know. He could have, but no. He's gonna go straight through the middle because he's mutt and he's overconfident. Uh, yeah, so this whole thing about lockpicking is part of the real, uh, the Dukes of the Nuke at Wasteland Weekend. Mongo is a real person, um, his real name is Chad, and he's actually a really good lockpicker who's taught quite a few people how to pick locks, including myself, and boy, has that gotten me into some trouble. Not really, it's all in good fun. But, uh, because of that, last year, I've mentioned this on the channel before, we did that whole, um, relic mission, because we had the White Crow's White Crow from a few years ago, and we chained it up to our armory, had it padlocked, and that became a challenge for people not just to steal the crow, because relics are stealable at Wasteland Weekend, but in the process of trying to steal the crow, you would have to learn how to pick locks. And of course, the lock that we used was a training lock. Um, it's actually available on Amazon. You can pick one of these up along with some lock picks. Uh, it's transparent so you can see what you're doing, so you can learn how each tumbler is reacting to what you're doing and watch them fall into place and pretty much know when you've got it picked. And I'm sure we're gonna do something similar this year. We don't have it planned yet, but, uh, but yeah, if you're a Wasteland Weekend attendee, you can look forward to uh, trying to steal from us, the Dukes of the Nuke, uh, which is always a lot of fun. There were so many times at Wasteland Weekend 2021 where us Dukes were just kind of sitting in camp, be like, oh, look, someone's trying to steal the crow again. Let's give them a minute before we go over there and stop them, that kind of thing. Because, you know, obviously, even though we want it to get stolen, we can't make it easy. So anyway, look forward to another lockpicking mission of some kind at the Dukes of the Nuke, but you're not gonna get it from us. We're not gonna teach you how to steal our things. You know, some other tribe is gonna send you on this mission. So you might have to go visit the Skulldiggers or, or the Petro Pirates or something like that in order to get the mission to steal the relic. Then again, you could always just steal the relic. <laughs> but yeah, um, if you are relic hunting at Wasteland Weekend, make sure you know what the relic symbol is and make sure the item that you're trying to steal has the relic symbol on it, and it should be very obvious. So I've been getting a few comments from people about how they wish the uh, episodes were longer, and I really, really appreciate that. 
yeah, I know how it is when you're listening to a show and you're just getting into it and then it ends a little early. I totally get it. They are, they are too short. You're right. Uh, <laughs> and maybe at some point they'll get longer, but for now I'm just doing a chapter at a time. So it kind of works out that way. I know that there are some other audio drama shows out there that are like 45 minutes long or an hour long and they just go and go and go and go. It's going to be a while until I have the resources to do that. You may notice that when they do their credits, it's like 20, 30 people sometimes. <laughs> they've got they've got editors and, and foliers and sound mixers and recordists and uh, a whole slew of cast and uh, the director and the writers. Uh, but uh, yeah, for now I'm doing it all. So we get uh, these 10 to 15 minute episodes, which is, which is plenty, which is plenty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I do actually, I, I do want to make them longer because even when I'm listening back to the episodes, uh, I, I feel like they need more. But what I'm trying to do right now is just make sure each chapter has kind of a beginning, middle and end. We got a lot of action in each episode, except the first, the first chapter was a lot of exposition to set up the world. But from here on out, every episode is going to be action packed, a lot of things happening. So you can at least revel in the fact that the, the episode is going to be really enjoyable and hey, if I'm leaving you wanting more, then I'm doing my job, right? Because I want you tuning in every week because it's kind of fun that way. Anyway, um, yeah, I want them longer too. We'll get there, we'll get there. Join the Patreon and uh, buy some more merch and we'll get there, you know, <laughs> maybe Jeff, maybe season two will be longer episodes. We'll see, um, but yeah, I might have to do a Kickstarter if we're gonna do something like that. Uh, I don't know things things anyway um so in the meantime if you are hungry for more post-apocalypse uh audio drama stuff i've been listening to some of we are alive if you guys haven't heard of this it's a post-apocalypse series following the survivors in los angeles after a bit of a zombie outbreak and there is so much to catch up on there's 173 episodes these guys go way back to the beginning of um, podcast audio dramas, I think probably 2007, 2008, something like that is when they first went out. And, um, I, I heard rumors actually from Chris Mad Dog Russell over at, um, after the apocalypse that the writer of we are alive started trying to pitch a script and no one would bite on it. So he said, well, I'm just going to do it myself. That's around the time that I was doing web series. So while, um, I don't know the writer of we are alive, but but while he was saying, hey, I'm going to get into podcasting, I was doing, hey, I'm going to get into web series. And that's kind of fun that it was happening at the same time. Anyway, here I am, what, 10? No, more than 10 years later, 12 years later, and just getting into audio dramas. <laughs> so I'm starting all over again. Good times. Yeah, We Are Alive is super enjoyable. I, I haven't gone back and listened to the original stuff. I'm listening to the new storyline that just came out this year. It's called Descendants. So We Are Alive, colon, Descendants. Uh, and it is awesome. It's really good. Sometimes it's difficult when you're listening to a pure audio drama, as in there's no narrator. And if there is, it's really minimal, but it's just really driven by the dialogue. It's kind of like, you know, more like watching a movie with the, with, without the video part of it. And so in some cases, the, the dialogue has to carry the action, right? They have to actually point out things that are happening around them that kind of thing. They have to give a lot more of the exposition, but I think Descendants is really great at using the dialogue really well without doing a whole lot of exposition and without doing a whole lot of environment explanation. And sometimes I think that's just a choice of what you're telling and what you're not telling and what you're leaving to the imagination. It's really cool. I think that, you know, I might take a shot at doing that at some point, 
But uh, for now, I'm really enjoying the more like an audiobook, but with actors and sound effects and music. So, yeah, let me know what you think. I'd, I'd be really curious to find out what, what style of like radio drama, audio drama, uh, people really enjoy the most. Because there's really three main types, right? There's narrator only, where the narrator may or may not try to do some character voices on their own. There's the uh, radio drama, which is like all dialogue, no narrator. Then there's this kind of hybrid version that I'm doing here, which is narrator with the characters being voiced by voice actors, and of course with the sound effects and music put in. So let me know which style you like the best. Uh, speaking of Chris Mad Dog Russell, uh, he is closing in on the end of season two on his post-pandemic survival story after the apocalypse. Uh, and it's been really enjoyable so far. There's been a lot more characters thrown in because season one was mostly about the old man and the woman known as KJ and how their lives intersected. But now the survivors are numbering in the dozens. There's a couple of new camps involved. It's getting really intricate, really fun. And it's definitely worth a listen. If you haven't checked it out yet, please do. Um, I really enjoy the show. I haven't missed an episode yet. It's just, it's just really good. And the narrator is excellent. Like I was saying with these three different styles of podcasts, so We Are Alive is that 100% dialogue. After the Apocalypse is 100% narrator driven. And then there's The Legends of Wasteland City, which just so happens to be the hybrid. Okay, anyway, so today we had a couple of new characters show up in the episode. There was the fat man played by the wonderful Mike the Baron Muchow. He also played Becklar Beck in the Contingencies story from Schofield's Drifters. And uh, we got him back just for the one line though, unfortunately. And of course we're bringing in a brand new character. We're not gonna name yet because we haven't in the story yet, but the voice was played by Mallory Trinnell. You've heard me say her name a few, uh, quite a few times. She's in Crimson Calamity. She helped audio engineer the voice of Lauren for Asylum or Asylum, the previous story. And now I finally got her on the mic to play this new character. We'll, we're going to hear a lot more from her coming up in the next episode, so don't worry. But uh, also, Mallory is the audio engineer who's helping me record some of my music. And I'm super excited about it. We're doing five songs. Um, you can hear four of them already on my YouTube, just kind of me messing around in the room doing her live recording, but she's helping me do the studio recording. So hopefully we're going to have this nice five song EP out in time for Wasteland Weekend. And of course, we are going to be doing the Dukes of the Nuke Band, which is going to be tons of fun. Um, just playing a few of my songs and maybe a couple of covers. We'll figure it out as we go. We don't have a name for the band yet, so um, hopefully we will. But super excited to um, play some live music at Wasteland. This is going to be a little reminder that if you join the Patreon right now, you'll be entered into a drawing for an awesome little prize made by our friend Reliabil, who's another Wastelander. He put together a little Babam style grenade and a first aid kit that you can throw in your pocket when you're hanging out at a post-apocalypse festival where there's tons of sharp things and rust and deserty death things around. All you got to do to be entered is join the Patreon. And once we hit 50, we're going to do a live drawing on Instagram to see who wins this wonderful prize. And uh, if this is fun for you guys, we're going to keep doing it because um, we got a couple other things that are in the works as well for uh, rewarding the Patreon members. Also, lastly, in my plans to get the word out about the show, I'm going to be giving away some koozies. These are the Apocalypse Post Snap Wrap koozies made to turn your real world soda or beer into a rusted soup can so you can fit right into any post-apocalypse atmosphere you happen to be hanging out in while also enjoying the real world coolness of a frosty cold beverage. These are eight bucks in the Apocalypse Outpost store, but all you have to do to get one mailed to you for free is leave a review 
a five stars, a thumbs up, the best possible review you can, wherever you can leave a review, whether that's Apple Podcast, Podchaser, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Good Pods, or Audible. Once you leave that review, take a screenshot of it and send me an email at theapocpost at gmail.com with that screenshot of your posted review and then make sure you include your address and I'm going to get you an Apocalypse Post Snap Wrap koozie in the mail right away to thank you for doing that. These koozies were such a hit at Wasteland Weekend. I gave a few away. We, we um, also were giving them free if you spent a certain amount in the Apocalypse Outpost merch store at Wasteland and everybody wanted one because first off, who doesn't like a good koozie? And second, it's so much better than walking around with your Bud Light or Coors Light or Millstone, Millstone Light. Is Millstone Light a thing? Miller Coors Stone? Keystone? <laughs> anyway, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends. And if you hated it, share it with your enemies like a dull rusted blade to the chest. I'll see you next time, survivors. Stay alive. And I-